This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Saturday to one and all. 25th day of March, 2023. Dan Grasso Show, we are back. We are live right here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number with my pals Harvey Cruz and Joe Leo. We're taking you for the next few hours right up until high noon. Then we'll hand things over to Anita. She'll take you for a few hours. Then it's Gordon. And then you got Rangers hockey on this Saturday here on 987 ESPN. 800-919-3776. is the telephone number. At Dan Gross is where you can get me on Twitter if you want to interact that way. So think about where we are right now, right? Fun time of the year on the sports calendar. Really, really fun time. This is the last weekend before there's real, actual baseball. Like, this time next week, the baseball season will have started already. Now, hopefully the Mets and the Yankees and, you know, frankly, all the other teams in baseball can get there in one piece because it's kind of a bad trend that's developing right now in baseball. It's like, guys just can't stay healthy. And, I mean, we're talking about, like, big names. And the World Baseball Classic is over, and, like, now these injuries are happening. It's got nothing to do with the WBC. You know, I know the Edwin Diaz thing was a freak of, you know, nature celebrating and Mets lose their closer for the season and that type of stuff. Altuve gets hit by a pitch. He breaks his thumb. He's out for two months plus, that type of thing. But now you got guys going down left and right, and you can't even blame the WBC if you're anti-World Baseball Classic. You know, Adam Wainwright pitched in the WBC for the Cardinals, and then he gets hurt in the weight room the next day, injuring his groin, and he's going to be out for whatever. He was going to be their opening day starter. You saw a thing that happened the other day with Reese Hoskins, the Phillies' first baseman, in spring training. Goes back to field the ground ball, one hopper. Awkward landing on his left knee, torn ACL out for the season. So, I don't know. I mean, I know they're trying to get, like, everybody back into the mix because a lot of players were away at the World Baseball Classic. But it's almost like you want to put these guys in bubble wrap, you know, and just get them to Thursday so nothing happens to them because it's just – there's, like, bad vibes going around right now across Major League Baseball with all of these freaky injuries here. And, you know, it's such a long season. You don't want anything to mar it, especially before we get this thing off and running. But, yes, we will have baseball. We will have the real thing coming up just five days from now. Garrett Cole named the opening day starter yesterday by the Yankees. Max Scherzer is going to get the day one assignment. For the Metropolitans, and I guess baseball tried to ham it up a little bit. They had this big, giant, simultaneous release yesterday afternoon where they announced every opening day starter across baseball. Like, remember, it was always, yeah, you know, whatever point during spring training, the manager announces, yeah, he's going to be our opening day starter. Just kind of matter of fact, you know, it could be early March, whatever. Yeah, he's our guy. He's, you know, he's going to get the start open. No, not now, though. Baseball still wants to just, you know, make it a big spectacle. So they had this big unveiling yesterday, whatever. I mean, you knew it was going to be cold for the Yankees, and you kind of figured it was going to be Scherzer to get the nod over Verlander when you're talking about the Mets because, you know, Scherzer's been here at least a year. You know, he put in the time last season. So, I, I, look, you got no problem with who starts game number one. You just hope that these guys are going to be there at the end for you and pitching games in October when they really – really matter for both the Mets and the Yankees. We are going to do some baseball, though, very early in the show, 9.30. Our pal Jim Duquette, of course, former Mets GM, SNY, MLB Network Radio, going to join us to do a little Mets-Yankees preview and what we can expect to see from our two locals here, which you figure is going to be good things as we uh, kick this baseball season off in just a few days. So we're excited about that. Um, Last night, and it was kind of a light night with the sports. I know the Devils played, the Islanders played. They both lost 
by a goal. Devils had a chance to wrap up a playoff spot. Didn't get it done. They get another crack at it tonight at home against Ottawa. So we'll do some of the hockey a little bit later on. But, you know, if you want to say the local sports calendar last night, the closest thing you had to it was the NCAA tournament. And Princeton trying to once again defy the odds. And they come up short in the Sweet 16 last night, losing to Creighton. And what was a really good game, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, you give this team a heck of a lot of credit for as far as they came and, you know, for the job that they did as a 15 seed, as an Ivy League squad. And, um, you know, they just ran out of gas more than anything else. I mean, this Creighton team, here's what you got to know about Creighton. And by the way, shout out to the Big East, right? There's eight teams still left in this tournament. Two of them are from the Big East Conference. And he kind of had a feeling that this club, at least, or this conference at the top, you know, they had some squads that were going to be equipped to be able to make some nice runs in this tournament. Now you're going to get two of them in the final eight. And the other team, UConn, I, I think right now you're asking me, and I even tweeted this out last night as soon as Houston and Alabama went down. I think this is UConn's tournament to lose, to be quite honest with you. You know, I, I just think that they create so many matchup problems. They're so physical. Um, I think that this UConn team has a heck of a shot at cutting down the nets. And who would have thought that was possible maybe um, at the beginning of the season? But this is where we are right now. And, you know, again, the, the thing with Creighton last night, who Princeton ultimately falls to, Creighton was a team that was a preseason top 10 in college basketball. There were a lot of expectations for this club, and they dealt with some injuries at the beginning of the season, got off to kind of a slow start in the non-conference, but you know, they got it together, and they're playing their best basketball at the appropriate time. I mean, they shot 58% from the floor last night. 58%. And Princeton didn't play that bad. You know, they didn't play that bad. They just couldn't get any stops, because this Creighton team, when they're running, man, they're a tough team to slow down. I mean, Shireman, and again, the transfer portal. We always talk about the transfer portal being such a big part of college basketball right now, and that's how you build these teams, and, you know, that's how you kind of gear up. It's not the way you used to do it, where you go recruit a high school kid and you hope that he stays with you for four years. That's not, that's not college basketball anymore. You go shopping in the portal. You hope to keep as many guys as you can on your team, and then you go see who's unhappy and who's, you know, coming from a different school, and you try to poach him, and it's like free agency. You know, and it, it essentially is, especially with NIL money right now, right? I mean, that's what college basketball is, but Shireman for, for Creighton, this is a kid that was playing at San Diego State for the last few, or I mean, not San Diego State, excuse me, South Dakota State. I was thinking San Diego State because they're still playing, but South Dakota State, that the Jackrabbits, and now all of a sudden he comes over to a team of the Big East and they're one win away from the Final Four, right? And, and the funny thing about it, too, is where you look at the parity of this tournament, and, you know, God bless you if you still got a bracket that's intact. I had UConn in the Final Four. I give myself credit for that. But now you got two number ones who lost last night, and you, this is the first time ever in the history of the tournament that there isn't going to be a number one seed in the Elite Eight, which is kind of cool for parity. It's not necessarily good if you're a casual fan and you just like seeing the superpowers. Like, think back to last year with the Final Four. You had Duke, you had North Carolina, you had Villanova, and you had Kansas. Those were essentially four blue bloods of college basketball. Now who are you going to have this year? It's anybody's guess. What you are going to have is the eight teams that are still alive, the eight schools, the eight coaches, none of them have ever won a national championship. The coaches, I mean. Never. So there's going to be some opportunity here. And the weird thing about the bracket, and I was talking about this with the guys before we got on the air, if you ask me right now to rank the teams that got the best shot of winning this thing, like I said, I would put UConn at number one. I would put Texas 
probably at number two. And, you know, maybe one of these days the athletic director down there um, in Austin will do what's right and give Rodney Terry the full-time job. Remember, he, he's an interim coach right now. He took over for Chris Beard, who got fired earlier in the season because of uh, a domestic issue. And Beard has landed on his feet, by the way. He's now coaching Ole Miss. But Rodney Terry's an interim coach, and now he's got this team one win away from the Final Four. What more does he have to do to get the, the, the full-time head coaching job down there in Austin? I, I mean, I, I have no clue, but hopefully they'll do what's right. But I would say UConn won, Texas two, and I would put Gonzaga at number three. And the funny thing about Gonzaga, we know they never won the championship despite all this excellence all these years. I don't even think this is one of their best teams. I mean, they have Drew Timmy, and Drew Timmy's entering, or, you know, currently in his, like, 15th year of college, it seems like. But give the guy credit. And that was a great game the other night against UCLA. But watch this be the year Gonzaga cuts down the nets when, like I said, this is not what we would consider one of their elite teams that Mark Few has had over the years. But back to my original point, though, I think the front runners right now to win this tournament are all on the right side of the bracket. So San Diego State, Creighton, Florida Atlantic, or Kansas State, one of those four is going to be in the national championship game. Think about that. Not exactly what we would consider, you know, basketball superpowers. San Diego State, Creighton, Florida Atlantic, and Kansas State. And remember, FAU and K-State, they're at the Garden a little bit later on tonight. It's going to be a good basketball game, and we'll see if the Owls can shock the world once again. It's a good basketball team, but because they come from Conference USA, that's why they got seeded ninth as to where they are right now. But this is a good team. And, of course, Kansas State with Marquise Noel, the local product. I think he's been the best player in this entire tournament so far. So they're going to have a punch and chance, of course, going into this guy. I, I think they'll find a way to win it, as a matter of fact. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, especially later on today, because that UConn-Gonzaga game out in Vegas, a little bit later on tonight, I mean, you could make a strong case. The winner of that game could be the team we see cutting down the nets next week. You know, I, I, I think – that's almost like a de facto national championship game in the Elite Eight between the Huskies and between Gonzaga. And think about the Big East profile here, folks, right? Two teams in the Elite Eight, other teams that are very, very good, that had good seasons. I mean, Xavier, they got run out of the gym last night by Texas, but Xavier's a real good team. They're not going anywhere. Um, you now have Rick Pitino in the Big East taking over St. John's. That became reality this week. So the profile of this conference is continuing to look up, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And that means a lot of good basketball games happening at Madison Square Garden, certainly every March when the tournament comes to town. That's going to be a blast. It really and truly is. So um, this has been a fun tournament. Like I said, I know you got a lot of parity, and you're not going to have the, the teams that we're used to seeing this time of year still playing in the Elite Eight. But if you like good basketball, you know, this has been your tournament. It really has been a heck of a lot of fun. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. So we'll do a little bit more of that later on in the program. Like I said, Jim Duquette going to help us preview the Mets and the Yanks coming up in about 15 minutes. We'll get into all the Knicks stuff, and I guess the Knicks decided they need a little bit of a nap and a little bit of a slumber here with a week or so left in the regular season because some bad habits developing with this Knicks team, especially on one side of the floor, which we got to get into here. We'll also get into the football stuff. Still no Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, still. Two sides still trying to work out an agreement. But it's funny, something else has kind of happened here along the way involving the Jetropolitans, which we have to discuss as well. Big show for you. 
on this Saturday morning. We'll take plenty of your calls at 800-919-3776. Stan Grasso with you on this Saturday morning. It's 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. In the last couple of years, like since the pandemic, there's been this thing, you probably heard of it in college sports, where it's called the COVID year. So anybody that was in college during, you know, the 2020 season when, when the pandemic hit, they gave you an extra, the NCAA gave you an extra year of eligibility. So essentially you had a fifth year. They call it the COVID year. And the Ivy League, though, doesn't honor the COVID year. They only give you still the four years. So you want to play that extra year of eligibility that the NCAA is supposed to grant their athletes? Well, then you have to go someplace else to do it. Like Princeton had three guys on their team last year that when the season ended, they transferred elsewhere. Like one kid went to Michigan. I can't remember where the other two went. So you don't get that at Princeton if you wanted to stay at the school, and that's why – you know, coach there was singling out the seniors. And if you think about the run that they've had here, they, they go on the deep run of the tournament this year. Last year, they were the regular season champs in the Ivy League, but fell short in the conference championship game. So they didn't make the NCAA because it's, you know, a one-bid league, the Ivy. And then the year before that, remember, the Ivy League didn't play winter sports at all. At all. So, like, you didn't get a season and you lost a year of eligibility. Because it's the Ivy League. So, it, it, unfortunate circumstances. And, you know, for them to wrap up this run and, you know, do as well as they did, you, you know, you feel for those kids. But they certainly accomplished a hell of a lot there. And uh, they got a lot to be proud of. And I think, I think, pretty sure they're set up for success in the future. You know, you get that diploma, Ivy League. I think you're going to be doing all right. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us start it off this morning by saying good morning to our pal, Spike at St. Pete. He's first up here on 9870 ESPN. Spike, good morning. How are you? I'm uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I hope you're doing well. You're certainly keeping busy. And uh, I've told you this before, you know, just maybe to put a smile on your face. Uh, more so you and well, everybody pretty much. I don't know how you guys just do this. I really don't. You know, I'm obviously out of my prime. And I know you're in your prime, but how do you consume and, and, and inhale all this information? I know you got a little help, but, uh, you know, props to you. You really uh, roll it up into a nice package for us to avail ourselves of your well, expertise. Spike, there, there, 
I'll, I'll be, and I thank you for that. And, and all I'll say is, you know, th- they're paying me an honest wage, so I might as well, you know, a- at least, you know, give the people what they pay for, as they say, right? Yeah, well, self, a little self-deprecating. Take the compliment. You did well. So let me just get to my, my love with the Knicks. Uh, I, uh, during basketball season, I call more often. Obviously, that's my love. And um, and I said this to Michael yesterday. I like to make sure so people who heard it hang up don't want to hear the old guy blabber on. But um, there's a double problem with the Knicks. It, it's very evident, and for those who may not know, like we do, the intricacies of mm-hmm. it, um, you have a problem with, with uh, Tom Thibodeau as a coach. He's a terrific practice coach. He's a terrific defensive coach. If you uh, analyze it and factor in that you're paying, playing better teams in the playoffs, he's not a good playoff coach. He's under 500. He's had some pretty good teams. Now, he's shackled here, and I say that with casting no aspersions. Julius Randle is a tremendous basketball player. However, at the last three minutes of a game, it's documented, and you know I'm not coming to you uh, mm-hmm. with any information I haven't checked out thoroughly. He has a precipitous drop in his output in the last three minutes of the game. Uh, I, I don't say this without any, without having malice. I'm very upset about it, but he seems troubled. He's like a troubled soul, and I'm not a shrink or anything. And I'm saying it on a basketball court. Mm-hmm. He seems like a wonderful pop and father and, 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 a, and a family man, but something happens there. The reverse of what great players do. Peter pointed that out yesterday. It's the antithesis. Great, great closers excel in the last three minutes. We, you know, you've seen that. You know all about that. Uh, I'm perplexed by it because the heart and soul, no pun intended, is Josh Hart. And I made a comment on a case show yesterday. I'll go to war with 12 Josh Harts. Well, it'll be nine with Tibbs. <laughs> but uh, right. I'll go to war with that because that guy, forget putting the arm around uh, uh, quickly and, and doing that type of thing, but he's just a wonderful player. Uh, you can't critique any of his game negatively. He's just a, just a great acquisition. They're going to pay him, uh, and he has history with Brunson. So I'll leave you with this, and thanks for the time. I'm a little concerned. Look, Julius, Godspeed. I just wish you just just something good to happen and, and get your, your you know get it's, it all together. I'd love Spike, to see you play great. It's weird, well, I and, and I thank you for the phone call. As always, my friend, good to hear from you. It's it's very strange though. You know, with the Randall stuff, because this isn't the first time we've seen of it, you know, but it seems like of late it's starting to rear its ugly head, and that's about, you know, just losing the composure on the court. You know, he's been teed up in three straight games. Now, ironically enough, they're all Nick losses, but this happened out on the West Coast trip in that scene on the Saturday afternoon against the Clippers, right, where he was being restrained by his coaches and his teammates on the sideline. He was just, like, flying off the handle. But then he got his head straight, and then everything seemed okay for the next couple of games, right? They had the big bounce-back win against the Lakers that next game, and blah, 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 and everything was fine and dandy. But now the last few nights, and remember Monday, that was he scored 57 points. You know, he, like, put himself, like, in the Nick record books, Nick's lore, and yet these problems are still persisting. And, look, he is not the first, he is not the last. I don't want to make him, like, the, the case study, okay? Because there have been a lot of athletes – And there still are a lot today that when they get on the field, they get on the court, they step between the lines, whatever, they just kind of morph into somebody completely different. They lose them. I mean, there are players who have been termed, you know, cheap shot artists, dirty players on the field. But then when they step off the field, they're completely different people. 
you know, they do a lot of charity work and they're good in the community and all those things. But then like once they're on, the, I, I mean, the guy who comes to mind for me is somebody like Indomit and Sue. Remember Indomit and Sue, especially during the Lions years, like how he would always get fined and, you know, for stepping on guys, like, you know, just dirty play on the field, like going above and beyond the whistle. But like off the field, Dominic Sue's like supposedly a great dude. You know, he does a lot of good work in the communities, like you know, raising money, all the like a, a real good guy. And there's a lot of guys like that. But like, there's something. And look, I can't speak to it. You can't speak to it for being able to perform at that level as a professional. You know, like the highest level of sports, what it takes to get there. And then you just completely kind of zone out, and and and, and you kind of just are so consumed and fixated on that one singular goal, which is getting the job done. I mean, you wish you can have a perfect world to where everything is fine and, you know, you're not going to cost your team and you're going to be able to have that composure and that restraint, which, you know, also a lot of the greats do. You got to keep your composure to be able to go out there and perform. You can't, you can't be a crazy person and then expect it to go out there and get the job. That's just not the way it works. Forget about a team sport. You imagine like in an individual sport, forget it. Like if you're a golfer or a tennis player, I mean, and, and, and you got, you're battling that type of stuff, you got no chance. That's half the battle, man. Mitch in East Windsor is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Mitch, good morning. How are you? Morning. Morning, Dan. Thanks for taking a call. How Hello, you Mitch. Today? Some tournament, right? Oh, I love these fantastic. Fantastic. Miami, Miami and San Diego State could be playing that last game. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't know if it's possible because my bracket is, um, well, <laughs> well, it's been crazy. But Miami's uh, got Miami. Here's what Miami's well, got, and this is why Miami. I can't say, you know, they had some injuries there, but that was a great game. But I would say, Miami Haggers and Timmy, they can play another year, and they should take advantage of it because I'm only hearing second round picks, and I would stay away from Timmy. That's for sure. Whoever's drafting, thinking about drafting him. Timmy's not going to – I don't think Timmy's going to be a, a, a great pro, Mitch, and thanks for the phone call. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if he's going to be – because he's just he's just not cut out for the NBA, you know. He's, uh, he's not a great defender. Now, I understand the defense is an afterthought in the NBA nowadays to begin with, but I just don't think you – know, I don't think he's got great hops. You know, he does a lot of, you know, good work down in the low blocks too in the post now that I think in the NBA he might get eaten up a little bit. It, look, you could make a case – I don't remember if Timmy was first or second team All-American this year. I don't remember. But he, look, we know how successful he's been. But right now, like this season, like two of the best players in college basketball, Timmy and, and Zach Eady, who's going to, I don't know if they gave it to him already, but Zach Eady, the seven foot four guy from Purdue, you know, is going to win the National Player of the Year. Zach Eady's not going to be a great NBA player. You know, you think of what the, the center is right now in the NBA and what they expect these big guys to do. Like Zach Eady can't do those things. He'd get destroyed in the NBA. Absolutely destroy. He can't step out and shoot threes. That's that. That's not his game. So that's why, like in college, you just you got to enjoy these guys for where they're at, you know. And some guys are just tailored to that. And you know, you have guys who maybe don't even put up great numbers in college, but yet they have those attributes and those skills that if you put them, uh, you know, on the next level there in the NBA, and their athleticism takes over, and they get in the right scheme, that they could become productive players. You know, Mitch mentioned Miami. Miami's dangerous. You know why Miami's dangerous? Because they got guard play. And what do we keep saying about the tournament? You need guard play. That is how you win. You know, Isaiah Wong, Nigel Pack, guys like that, th those dudes are lightning quick, and we've already seen how effective they could be.
Miami, they were dangerous as hell, and, and I took a flyer betting against them in the first round. I thought that they would actually get picked. You know, you got to pick an upset, right? You got to pick a couple upsets in the first round. And I thought they got an interesting draw because they got matched up with Drake, who's a mid-major in, in one of those 12-5 matchups. And Miami was down. Think about this. I even tweeted this out last night. Miami trailed Drake by eight points with five minutes left in the game in the first round. San Diego State in their first round game this year against Charleston in another 12-5, they were tied with about two and a half minutes left in that game. So think about it. Both of those teams were in a hell of a lot of trouble in the first round, and now they're both just one win away from getting to the final four. That's the great thing about this tournament. You know, you, you, you could completely snap out of it from one game to the next. All right, 800-919-3776. We come back, we'll shift gears, do a little baseball talk. Our pal Jim Duquette is going to join us, talk a little Mets, little Yanks, and what we could expect to see here in the 2023 baseball season, which is just five days away. That's right. Dan Grasso Show, we roll till noon on this Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We are just five days away from the start of the Major League Baseball season. Thursday, opening day, Yankees taking on the Giants in the Bronx. Mets will be down in Miami to take on the Fish. And joining us right now to talk a little about the baseball locals and what we could expect to see this year, it is the former Met GM. It's our good pal, you see him on SNY, you hear him on MLB Network Radio. It is Jim Duquette. Jim, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? Good morning, Daniel. Uh, does your mother call you Daniel? Ah, uh, yeah, still to this day. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Daniel, good morning to you. I hope everything is going well. Jim, I thank you so much, my friend. And yeah, how could things not be well, right? We're less than a week away from opening day. And I was here. Here's the thing I said a couple of minutes ago, and I'm sure you can um, echo this as well. Forget about just the two baseball teams here. I hope that they don't. Uh, they haven't been immune to it, certainly, but can we just put these guys in bubble wrap until Thursday? Because it seems like everybody and their mother is getting hurt leading up to opening day. What the hell's happening? I feel like we have this conversation every spring. Like, just, Jeff, get out of camps, Florida and Arizona being healthy, and you got a legit chance to get to the postseason, win your division, and all of that. And, and that's where a lot of these teams have – you know, really finally figured out that, hey, roster depth isn't kind of important, right? Uh, yeah. Because you can't get through the season without dealing with uh, injuries. You hope that there's nothing serious. Uh, you know, teams have been putting their – I've kind of joked about it, but I, I feel like teams have been putting their pitchers in bubble wrap even during the course of the regular season. We don't, we don't see many, many guys going 200 innings anymore. And it's the, that, that aspect of it, you know, it's so expensive to – to develop them and to sign them. Like, you can't afford those type of big-time injuries. And, you know, if you can kind of get through those or if you have an injury, it, you know, like uh, with the Phillies and Bryce Harper, you go, all right, well, hopefully he'll be back in two months and not out for the season like we saw with Reese Hoskins the other day. Absolutely, and that's just one of a couple of examples. And unfortunately, look, Mets already suffered the Diaz fluky injury, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And the Yankees are nicked up a little bit here. But let's talk about some positives to begin the conversation here. We'll start with the Yankees yeah. here. And I don't know if uh, you've been by Yankee Stadium recently. I don't know if you've seen the white smoke or the black smoke maybe coming from the top, if they're finally going to decide 
you know, who the starting shortstop is going to be. But do you think it's that big of a deal as to who the opening day shortstop is? Or do you think this is just, ah, you know, conversation a week in, up until opening day? Hey, thank God we have the conversation. We do radio shows every day. we we got to have some content. That's true. Thank you, That's Jason. true. Wait, wait till the end. Wait till the very end to make this decision. Uh, I, I don't, at the end of the day, really think it matters too much. I, you know, really, um, you know, there's, there's a little, um, I, I call it, uh, you know, a variable that we don't talk about nearly as much. When we leave, uh, teams leave spring training. And they go, well, the best 26 are leaving and are going to be our roster. No, that is not the case. The case is actually uh, what is the best 26 that allows us the most depth to get through potential injuries at the beginning or early part of the season? That's the key, and that's the, the most difficult thing as a general manager, I, be, I believe, is all right, you have a guy like Wolfie who's deserving. You've got other guys that are, you know, obviously in the mix. Peraz is in the mix and, and deserving. Um, and, you know, but it, but if they make the team rather than go to the minor league, let's say Volpe goes and makes the team, it seems like Peraz, you know, is likely to make the team. Mm-hmm. So who's out? You know, I know fans don't care, you know, but, boy, if we gave up on Donaldson, as an example, or you gave up on, you know, Whatever, whatever guy you you're, you're Glaber Torres, you traded Glaber Torres, and he goes off and starts swinging the bat well. And Donaldson has a rebound, and you know as happens sometimes with rookies, they get out of the gate a little slow and, and are struggling. Now what? What what option do you have? You've used your option right at the beginning of the season. So so there's a trick in, and it's no real exact science to it. Obviously, it's no easy answer. You're just trying to make sure that you have enough depth. So, personally, even though Volpe's been so good, um, and you know their lineup is is weaker, I think the Yankees lineup is weaker. So there's a definite case for Volpe, and that's what he's he's made it difficult on them. Right. But if you had asked me a week ago, I said they're going with Peraza, and now, you know, if they go with Volpe, then I think Peraza ends up in the minor leagues, and they don't make any other cha- you know significant change like you know moving, trading a player or releasing a player. Well, you look at this lineup, and you mentioned it, we're talking with Jim Duquette here on 98.7 ESPN. You look at this lineup, and it seems as if, you know, it's not really a heck of a lot different than the one that we saw at the end of last season. And, and you know, for a good long while, Aaron Judge was kind of carrying this group all by himself. And that's why when I look at this team, and I think you and I may have spoken about this already, DJ LeMahieu is going to be so critical for me. Because if he's going to be healthy and he can get back to the guy that we know that he is, a hit machine, that's going to be a big, big component that was missing from this lineup, certainly at the tail end of last season. The last time we saw him uh, in a Yankees uniform, he was limping out to the introductions at Yankee Stadium in the ALCS. Yeah. Like he was a shell of his former self, right? So, so the fact that he is healthy, and, and I'm not expecting, you know, prime D.J. LeMahieu, you know, the one that got the contract uh, uh, for the Yankees necessarily. I, I'm, I'm just saying healthy LeMahieu is a huge offensive piece and makes that lineup uh, deeper. So 100%, they need him to stay healthy during the course of the year. I don't care where he plays. You can play him anywhere. But he needs to be in the lineup on a regular basis. And by the way, they need some production, more production, out of Stanton than what they got last year. So, like, those two guys are pretty important pieces 
uh, if the offense for the Yankees is going to be what they expect. How concerned are you right now with the state of the rotation with Rodon now nursing a little bit of a strain for him, which, you know, given his injury history, unfortunately, you have to kind of take it seriously, even though they don't seem too concerned. But we know that Montas is already down for the count. I was super high on this rotation when it was all being put together back in December, but now it already looks a little bit different. What is your level of concern as we speak? Well, back in December, like you said, I, I thought it was one of the top three starting rotations in the sport. Um, you know, I, I love the addition of Rodon. And so he's delayed a little bit. You know, it, I, don't, I don't like, um, you know, guys who are coming from other teams and their, their start to the season is delayed. There's an extra attention that goes with that. Um, you know, if they get out of the gate slowly, you know, I think there, there's some, in some circles – you know, there's a there's a little bit of a panic. Let's say Rodon comes back at the end of April and his first couple starts are rocky. All of a sudden, you know, there's there's a much greater alarm that pops up than if his first two starts in the early part of April, you know, go poorly. So, you know, I, 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 that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Um, I, I think they have better depth than maybe people think, but that depth can go quickly. Like Clark Schmidt has had a decent spring. And I am hopeful that he can pitch well, but we don't really know, you know. And so, you know, and Severino's been bad, but I, I really take spring training results with a grain of salt. Um, yep. You know, clearly he needs to pitch better, <laughs> you know. But you know, I, I've told the story many times. Miguel Tejada, who's who, you know, if he didn't test positive for PEDs, would be, I think, a borderline Hall of Famer. I had him at the end of his career. And I got to tell you, when I was with the Orioles, he had one of the worst springs. I, I thought he his eyesight had gone, and he couldn't hit anymore. Like, it was that bad in spring. As <laughs> soon as the lights came on, he's raking like he always did, you know, and he got to end up having, like, a top, top 10 MVP season. So just be cautious of spring training results. We, you and I have had this conversation many times. No doubt about that. We're talking with Jim Duquette here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's flip over to the Mets real quick. The Diaz injury, that's been the biggest talking point here in spring training. Um, how big of an albatross do you think that's going to be for them as they move their way through a season? Well, listen, early early on, you can get by without a closer, without, without a, a proven closer. I mean, you know, take out the fact that I thought they were a reliever short coming into the season anyway, but it, but it kind of, you know, Diaz's impact and how good he was you know, kind of hid that a little bit. Now it's glaring, not just, you know, the absence, but the fact that they're short, of, uh, you know, a, a, a proven relief arm. So I think at a short term, though, they can get by. And we've seen other teams kind of mix and match in the back end of the bullpen and do just fine. I don't want to do it for a whole season. I don't want to do it in the postseason. Um, I think you got to have established roles. I think Buck will tr will try to establish roles. I think the organization is going to go out and find a relief pitcher. It's just you can't. There's nobody you can get right now. Like it's just it's it, first off the main ones you might want aren't available, and the other ones that you might want are so um, expensive it just makes it um, prohibitive at the moment to to upgrade. So you know I think eventually they will have somebody in place. Uh, to fill that role won't be Diaz because Diaz is the best in the sport but mm -hmm. I think it'll be it'll be plenty good enough 
Are you satisfied with where this team is right now offensively? Because remember, they didn't really add a heck of a lot from the team last year to what they're going to open with this season. I mean, I know Brett Beatty's had a great spring, but might be a little too much to put on his shoulders to begin the year. But where do you think this lineup stacks up in trying to win a very competitive National League East? Hey, I would love to uh, say that they upgraded this winter on the offensive front. They didn't, you know. Tried to. Uh, you, know, to be, you know, the Beatty... Yeah, the Beatty, Yeah, they tried to, and it just it didn't end up working out. Uh, Beatty, you know, the, the you know Beatty hit a home run in his first spring training uh, game this year. We were, we got all excited. You know how many home runs he has since then? Zero. Yeah. Zero homers since. So, like, let's be let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on Beatty's impact out of the gate. Uh, with I, I don't even know if he's going to make the team. Um, now, would he be a potential upgrade over like Daniel Volgabach, who's having a bad spring right now? Yeah, I, I mean, on paper, yeah, but you know, we have a you have a proven major leaguer versus a guy who you know struggled last year and had an injury and and is trying to learn a new position. So, if I were in their shoes, I'd give Vogelbach you know a little bit of a run here. Let Beatty go down and learn learn outfield. Uh, I am a little concerned about the offense, but but not out of the gate. Like I think it's something that down the road they will improve and and upgrade. And then, you know, I, I'll feel better about it. But I, out of the, you know, I mean, listen, they were top five offense last year in terms of runs scored with this group. Um, it's just, you know, you're asking a lot of, of similar guys. I think Canna's going to be better. You know, hopefully Marte stays healthy. Uh, Nimmo gets healthy. Like, you know, some things there that you can look at and go, all right, well, I see some internal improvements, but it's not a huge improvement uh, on that offense yet. I know they have some names in the starting rotation. I mean, a couple of guys we know are going to the Hall of Fame, but. Also, when you look at that group, I don't know if I could sit here, Jim, and pencil any of them in to make 30 starts, you know, because they all have kind of some questions. A couple are a little bit older than the others, as we know, and you got to monitor things. So are you concerned at all that this rotation is something that bears watching as well in terms of needing to manage the innings and the wear and tear throughout a long season? I, you know what? I, I think it's a minor concern. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not overly concerned. I'm more concerned about the pen uh, for obvious reasons. I think the rota- listen. There's a lot that's been said about the age of the rotation. Those guys know how to manage uh, themselves through a through a season better than pretty much anybody in the league. So if they make 28 starts each, I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, Carrasco, I'm a little more concerned about. I don't like to hear elbow maintenance mm. with two starts left in spring training. Um, that's not a good sign, uh, but let's see what happens there. I think Senga's going to be be good. You know, we'll deal, I think he's dealing with that finger issue there. We haven't seen him throw the fork, fork, um, fork his little ghost fork pitch yet uh, recently. So a little bit concerned there. But I think Peterson's been good. Like I think they have some depth to get through the the the, the season. And who knows? Maybe that's an area they need to upgrade. I don't personally think they will though. I think they'll be able to go through with this group. And you know there's going to be changes, you know, throughout the season. Both of these teams are going to add. But right now, who are you more optimistic about out of these two teams that could find themselves in a World Series this year? Well, I, that's a tough call because I, I think they're like I, we have to do picks and predict picks. And I think that, um, you know, if you're sitting there, like I, I look at the Mets, I think within their division, I think they're a 94 win team. I look at the Yankees. They're pretty close. They're a 92 to 94 win team. I might pick the Mets slightly ahead of them, but they're both really good. I don't know if either one wins the division, but they're both postseason teams, and we mm-hmm. know that they're going to make deals at the deadline. So, like, 
that's the thing. Like for me, um, I'm, I'd probably give a slight nod to the Mets because they don't have as many uh, holes out of the gate. Um, but I mean, there are aspects that I really like with the Yankees that are better than the Mets, specifically their bullpen. So, you know, I think that the answer is it's gonna be a fun summer for baseball in New York because both teams are going to be really good, just like they were last year. No doubt about it. Hopefully they could stay on the field. That would also be more fun when just trying to get to the finish line of a long season. Jim, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll be catching up again soon, but uh, appreciate a couple. All right, Dan. Talk to you. Bye. All righty. There's our pal Jim Duquette, former Met GM, SNY, MLB Network Radio. It should be a fun summer around here. Right? I mean, barring a catastrophe, both of these teams are going to be playing October baseball. Hey, they were last year, too, but it still ended up disappointing. Right? Yankees trying to close that gap with the Houston Astros. Mets, hey, you thought that they were in a good position. They couldn't even make it out of the first round. And it'll be interesting. Really, look, nothing comes easy over the course of of a 162-game season. And then when you think that you have everything figured out, you get to October, and it's a harsh reminder sometimes of how far you still have to go and maybe, you know, the weaknesses that you had in your club. So we'll see. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Going to get into the situation involving the Knickerbockers in about 10 minutes to begin the next hour here. Dan Grasso Show on a Saturday morning, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so we play this, well, for two reasons. Number one... And this is like the Yankees rain delay music on Yes, which never is a good thing because, you know, everybody wants a game. You don't want any game to get washed away. So it has a double meaning today because look outside. It's nasty, the weather. It's going to rain today. It's not going to be what we would like to call a beach day. See, Harvey's thinking this morning. He's, he's on top of his game. I'm glad one of us is. And Jim brought up Luis Severino during our little chit-chat session. Now there's multiple reports coming out, literally like within the last couple of minutes. Um, Anthony Reber of Newsday, uh, Max Goodman, who covers the Yankees for NJ.com and NJ Advanced Media, that Luis Severino is not going to make his scheduled start tomorrow down in Tampa. That was going to be the last start of the Grapefruit League season for him before opening day. No word yet. As to why, but if you've watched the Yankees this spring, you know that Severino has struggled. And you know that it's been a little bit of a concern. Look, and I'm with Jim when he says don't put a lot of stock into spring training performance for individuals. I am a thousand percent there. I mean, I remember so many years where pitchers never gave up a run basically during the entire duration of spring training. And then as soon as the real thing started, they couldn't get anybody out and vice versa. So I never put a lot of stock in performance during spring. But Severino, five starts already this spring, nine ERA, 15 earned runs in 15 innings. I mean, if you're giving up a run an inning, I mean, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out that's not good. So something is up. So let's just worst-case scenario situation. And when I say worst-case scenario, I'm not talking about something season-ending. I'm just talking about he might have to miss a little bit of time. Go back to the original starting point of the conversation with the Yankees. Why was there so much optimism coming into spring training? The thing that I keep coming back to, I was so all in on this starting rotation this year. Completely in. Like, as good as I felt about the Yankees starting rotation, probably since they won their last World Series, on paper. And what's happened since here already? Montas, done. Rodon, shelved. 
Severino, potentially shelved. All right, I understand that the latter two aren't officially season-ending yet. I mean, Montas, you're not going to see. Forget it. Forget about him. Rodon, you hope, is going to be back, and you're not going to have any sort of flare-ups with the forearm stuff. Severino, we don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, you have to think that there is something underlying that's contributing to how ineffective that he's been so far in spring, and so much so, why would the Yankees cancel his start tomorrow? Even though they haven't made it official yet, but everybody expects that to be the case uh, at some point later on today, whether it's this morning, this afternoon, when they talk to the media, whatever. But if a guy's out there struggling, they're not going to say, yeah, you know what, we're going to give him you know, tomorrow off, and he's not going to pitch again here in spring training, and we're just going to throw him out there on the mound at Yankee Stadium and hope everything goes away. No, they're not going to do that. So there's something up physically. What that is, who knows. How long it's going to keep him off the mound, we'll wait and see. But all of this optimism with the Yankees, at least regarding the starting rotation, now kind of is thrown up in the air a little bit. And who the heck knows what we can expect to see. So that bears watching. And if we get the information at all, at least while we're on the air over the next couple of hours, we'll certainly get that for you. But that is concerning news, certainly, for the Bronx Bombers. We come back. We'll talk a little bit about the Knickerbockers and the word concern again. Should we be concerned about this little funk that they're in right now over the last few games? Dan Gross' show, we roll till noon right here on 9870 ESPN. It's going to rain. 